The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Mixed Martial Arts Podcast, brought to you by ESPN Plus, the home of UFC 246. Excited to get together early this week with John Littering. You can follow him on Twitter at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. I'm your host, Jake Letarski. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Roto Jake. Next week, I'm going to be heading to Vegas for FSGA, so if any listeners are out there, definitely come say hi. I'd like to meet some of you guys in person. Otherwise, uh, got to do an early show this week because of that, but fortunately... We were going to play, we had the whole thing set up, we were going to play a game where we guessed the DraftKings salaries kind of based on the betting odds and what we thought of these, but, uh, and then DraftKings salaries happened to come up. So we've got salaries to work with here. John and I are going to be discussing the biggest fights of UFC 246, Cowboy versus Connor. Excellent card. Happy to have you here, John. Thanks. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the return of Connor is always big news and, uh, I think for a couple different reasons we'll talk about. I think Cowboy Cerrone is a pretty good opponent for him because both these guys need to win this fight, but they both need to win for different reasons, and uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we can skip ahead and play future matchmaker for Connor. You know, if that's something, if he wins, which uh, I people 
are taking this as a given, but I don't know. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to discuss that a little bit more. Uh, before we jump in, though, to the main event and the fight by fight breakdowns, want to get in a quick word from our sponsors at ESPN Plus. Guess who's back? The notorious Conor McGregor makes his much awaited return to the octagon in a welterweight showdown against Donald Cowboy Cerrone, the man with the most wins in UFC history. Plus, former champ Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington get their rematch in the co-main event. UFC 246 is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $64.99 or sign up now to get UFC 246 and an ESPN Plus annual plan for $84.98. With ESPN Plus, you get access to hundreds of live events and exclusive originals. After you buy, be sure to log into your device with your ESPN account. Then you can stream anywhere, including TVs, tablets, laptops, phones, wherever you want to watch. Visit rotowire.com slash UFC 246 for more details. Uh, yeah, ESPN Plus has been excellent, treated us excellent. Uh, plenty of great content on there beyond MMA. And if you haven't subscribed yet, of course, this is your chance to do so. You want to get on board. I mean, 20 bucks for a year of ESPN Plus compared to 5 bucks a month. That is a steal when you buy that with the pay-per-view together. So uh, with that out of the way, John, Connor, Cowboy. Conor McGregor, minus 300 favorite, uh, going up against Cowboy Cerrone. Comeback is plus 250. The recently released DraftKings salaries have McGregor as one of the highest-priced fighters on the entire slate. He is $9,400. Cowboy down at $6,800. Another intriguing aspect of this fight uh, is that the odds to finish are minus 625. So we think, or Vegas thinks, I should say, that somebody is going to get put away in this fight, whether by submission or... Or by knockout, uh, I guess. John, do you agree with that to start with? And what are the key things you're going to be watching for and evaluating when trying to pick a winner in this fight? Yeah, I would agree with that. Just for the simple reason that these are two guys who are so aggressive and known for their offense that a fight set for 25 minutes between two guys, you know, who are so aggressive, I think that tends to lean towards a finish one way or the other. What I mentioned in the intro was. Both these guys need this fight, but they both need it for different reasons. If you start with Cowboy, um, lost two fights in a row, just uh, Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. Um, that no, on the heels no of three, those losses. He no, none at all. None at all. And that was on the heels of three-fight winning streak when he looked great. Knocked, uh, decisioned Ally Quinton, a fight that he dominated. Mm-hmm. Knocked out um, Alexander Hernandez, a young up-and-comer. But as far as Cowboy goes... He needs this win for the obvious reason that he's getting up there in age. Turn he'll turn 37 years old at the end of uh, March, and when you get to that age and you start with all the fights and all the wars Cowboy's been in over the years, it's definitely fair to wonder if he's kind of at the point where he's just been, you know, starting to lose it. Really, not a, any other way to say it. So, I think Cerrone has to win for that reason it's really hard in any division in the ufc to put yourself back in title contention if you end up on a three-fight losing streak now guys have done it before but it's really difficult to do it at a guy who's about to be 37 years of age so i think cerrone needs it for that reason and you look at connor on the other side and the reason he needs it is really simple connor's whole outspoken stick and act and all that stuff doesn't play if he's not winning Mm-hmm. You know, he if if he's not winning fights, and you know, no, no one, you know, all his words and all that stuff aren't going to mean as much as they do if he's knocking everybody out. So, um, obviously, coming off the loss against Habib Nurmagomedov October 2018, so Connor's looking at upwards of 
14, 15, you know, 14 months or so on the sidelines. And that was um, nothing compared to the years before that between boxing Mayweather and then finally coming back. Against oh, yeah. I, I'm not worried about the layoff at all. Um, say what you want about Connor and you can say plenty about him and his antics and stuff. This is a guy who is dedicated to training and when he has a fight scheduled is dedicated to fighting. So um, regardless of who you think is going to win, I don't think it's because Connor will or will not be rusty with so much time away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That I mean, that, that won't ne- necessarily be the decision. Obviously, every coach says this about their fighter, but, I mean, Coach Kavanaugh says it's the best he's ever looked. If you've seen some of those pictures of him uh, up at welterweight, uh, I think a big concern, at least with Connor moving up to welterweight, was that he wouldn't be uh, as big in stature as some of the other welterweights. But uh, Donald Cerrone, he's a guy that has spent uh, a lot of his career fighting at, at lightweight, too. I mean, they could have done this fight at lightweight. I'm not exactly sure why they didn't, but uh, nonetheless, Cerrone's a bigger guy by a couple inches in height, but in reach, Connor's got that advantage too, so um, this isn't as big of a mismatch as it would be if Connor were to, say, fight, say, Jorge Masvidal, or if he were, if he got it in his head that he wanted to fight champion Kamaru Usman at welterweight, I think Dana would be smarter than to try to make a fight like that, but this is, this is actually a fight where, yeah, Cerrone will look a little bit bigger in stature on the scales, um, but yeah, they match up pretty well. I got to give the striking edge to McGregor. I think we could probably agree on that one. But a lot of the other aspects of mixed martial arts, maybe, you know, I'll try to play a little devil's advocate. But, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, just jujitsu and grappling, and um, I would kind of give the edge there to, to Cowboy. And Cowboy's fought a lot more five round fights. Obviously, this is a main event, so we'll get five rounds here. Uh, so I would give that edge to Con- or to Cowboy, excuse me. But, uh, Again, this is a really close fight because Connor can land that left at any time. He definitely can, and it's interesting. I agree with what you said there. I think there's a significant gap for both men in the areas that you mentioned. I think Connor definitely has more power. He'll definitely have an advantage for as long as this fight is on the feet. And I think Cowboy will have a significant advantage if this fight ends up on the mat. My concern is I'm a little worried about Cowboy's chin. Um, knocked out by both Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. I think this, in order for Cowboy to win this fight, this is going to have to be one of those real game plan fights where he needs to recognize that Connor's weakness is on the mat and he needs to make a concerted effort to do whatever is necessary to get him there. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Connor's grappling gets knocked all the time, and we talk about this a lot. When a fighter is perceived as having a weakness, it's probably not as bad as it's made out to be. Mm-hmm. For example, Connor's ground game is never going to be on the level of his striking. Yeah. Um, but it's probably not as terrible as well, you know everybody thinks it is. At SPG Ireland, he I'd imagine he gets his fair share of grappling sessions in with his buddy Dylan Dennis. And Dennis is another one that you can say what you want about his antics, but you know a, a very respectable grappler there. So you know. You know what they say, iron sharpens iron. If you train with somebody like that, you know, the skill's not completely absent is what I'm trying no, to say. No, no, I, it's definitely not. But I, I think Cowboy has a significant edge on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think he really, uh, we say this all the time with wrestlers and why Cowboy may not be defined as a pure wrestler. He, he certainly should have an edge there. If the first couple takedowns don't land, you know, there has to be takedowns three, four, and five coming. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, we, we were talking – we mentioned earlier about guessing the odds. These odds, now that we have them um, – excuse me, the uh, salaries. These salaries, now that we have them, are considerably further apart than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9400 for McGregor, even though I'm going to pick him to win, 
uh, would probably be classified in most cases as out of my price range. That's that's a hefty, hefty number. We're and talking I, John Jones price. Yeah. We're talking Valentina Shevchenko yep. price. We're talking Amanda Nunes price here. That's such a high number. It makes me wonder if DraftKings simply looked at McGregor's popularity mm-hmm. and kind of jacked his salary up. Yeah. Uh, I'd be. I would be a little. I think he's going to win, but I would be a little worried at that price. Yeah. So, so the thing is, is, if we had to guess what the salaries should be, you know, not taking into account popularity and taking into account what each fighter's skill set would actually be, I would probably peg it more in, let's say, Connor 87, Cowboy 7,500, and that might even be at the high end. But I think you hit it right on the head there, John. Um, if Connor was below 9,000 or if he was the fifth or sixth priced fighter, everybody is, you know, because. This is we were talking beforehand. Like this may not be the greatest card from top to bottom, but this is certainly the one that you know, uh, you know, our friends and coworkers and acquaintances are calling us up for, and they want to come over and they want to watch this card because Connor's fighting. So, how many casual DraftKings players are you gonna are you gonna play, and how many of them, you know, are just gonna throw Connor in because that's who they know, and I think that's gonna be a good part of it. So, I will probably have some exposure to Connor, but I'll definitely be underweight compared to the field, especially when Cerrone, who is a fighter who I think is very capable of winning this fight, he checks in at only 6,800. Then you can start getting some of the more sure things in your lineups, whether it's the Macy Barbers or, or Sadiq Youssef, or which we can get to in a little bit. I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on, and especially in that uh, in the big GPP that they're running here, it's 2460 with a $100,000 top prize. Almost halfway full, by the way, nine days out. So that's awesome to see the sport continue to grow in that manner. But, uh, yeah, the ownership on Connor is going to be really, really high. So there is an angle to take here. Now, of course, Connor could come out, land that left, take care of business in the first round, and essentially break the slate. But it won't be breaking the slate because he'll have such high ownership here. So it's very interesting. that With the salary discrepancy, I think I'll have more exposure to uh, Cerrone than I will to Connor McGregor. But uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm ready to pick Cerrone outright. No, I mean, you're right. There's definitely a bunch of people who are just going to put together DraftKings on a pure, the most casual of fans and mm-hmm. are going to put Connor in and then just build it, you know, from there. Mm-hmm. And Cerrone, in a card we you mentioned, oh, this is not the, you know, we're not going to lie. This is not the deepest pay-per-view card you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cerrone at 6,800 is a better price than some of the other fighters we're going to talk about that are, you know, in that price range, frankly. Um he shouldn't. I don't think he should be that low. I was with you. What you just said. If you would have guessed, if you made me guess, I probably would have said like eighty eight hundred. And even I was going to mention. I thought that would be high because of his popularity. I think in reality, if you do just like based on pure skill between the two, I would have had McGregor at like eighty six hundred or something like that. Yeah, but again, if the only problem is if you have him at eighty six hundred, then he ends up eighty percent owned. In oh, absolutely, absolutely. And piece, then so. if he loses. The, peop- the the few people who don't have him or do have Cerrone make out. So, you know, it's either or. But I think I, I'm going to take uh, McGregor to win. But I think if Cerrone make, can avoid that, you know, those that one crushing shot and successfully implement the grappling, I, I think he has a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he has a chance to make it. Um, you know, more than a few rounds, you know, and I know that the uh, odds to finish suggest it's getting stopped no matter what, but I don't know, maybe it makes it a couple rounds and, you know, the loser could get some DraftKings points in this. Uh, so stacking might be in the table, obviously, if you're trying to win that $100,000 top prize. Stacking's not going to be on the table, I would say, but it might be on the table in, in cash games, I guess. Um, again, we're nine days out. I'm going to pick Connor too, but 
it's really close for me, and I could see myself going the other way uh, before I, we officially publish staff picks later on next week. So I, I guess we're both going Connor, but uh, we're pretty much in agreement here that he's priced a little bit too high, probably for protection from casual fans. And now I'm starting to work myself into a circle. Maybe there's reverse psychology here where people are going to are back off him because they think that's smart. But then Connor, with that high price tag, could be a GPP option if he, you know, if he binks him in the first round. <laughs> Robin Black, shout out. But if he gets him... Um, this is a real real tough one to attack from a fantasy angle because I just didn't expect one to be this this spread out. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's probably a good idea to make multiple lineups and get a little bit of both in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a 60-40 split one way or another, depending on how you're leaning. I could I could get on board with that. Um, let's keep going, though, John. A lot more fights to discuss. Uh, co-main event, women's bantamweight matchup between Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington. Holm is minus 135, Pennington comeback plus 115. Uh, this is one where... There would be a ton of odds value, quote-unquote, on Pennington based on how these numbers are shaking out because Holm is 8,900 on DraftKings and Pennington is 7,300. Unlike the first fight, the odds to finish on this are plus 325. What are you looking for on this one, John? This is this is interesting because I really had a difficult time picking this fight. I went back and forth, and this is another one where I look at the um, DraftKings salaries and they seem strange to me. I really don't know what Holly Holm has done lately to be $1,600 more than Raquel Pennington. Holly Holm, dating back to March 2016, which was right after she knocked out Ronda Rousey for the UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship. In her last six fights, Holly Holm is two. I'm sorry, her last. uh, If I could count. Yeah, her last six fights. Holly Holm is. Oh, seven fights. Two and five. The wins are over Megan Anderson, who is a pure striker, and Betch Kohea, who we know is just roster depth. Now, what you have to keep in mind with Holmes' losses is they're against the best of the best. She lost to Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg, Valentina Shevchenko. Um, she lost the title to Misha Tate. She lost to Jermaine Durandamy in the featherweight title fight. So she's lost to good fighters. But uh, much like Donald Cerrone, time is not on Holly Holmes' side. She turned 38 years of age in October, and she is more reliant on her striking than I would go as far as say even McGregor is. The difference is McGregor has that one-punch knockout power that I don't really think Holm has. Holm is more volume and placement and combinations and stuff, and that's that's really risky when you start getting up there in age. Um, because Holmes simply doesn't have anything to fall back on. You know, she, that this is she's. We all know her kickboxing accolades, but um, she's really, really one-dimensional. And this is a rematch um, of a fight that was a lot closer the first time around than I thought that would be. Holmes came into that fight, which was her first UFC fight, as a big, big favorite against Pennington, and Holmes took a split decision in a fight that a lot of people thought Pennington actually won. And if she didn't win, it was really close. So um, the, the the issue is, I'm gonna. I ended up picking Holmes to win, but the big issue for me is, I just don't think, uh, to be honest, I just don't think Pennington's that great of an opponent. She's tough. She's generally durable. She's not going to go in there and beat herself, but she has 10 career wins. She has one knockout and three submissions, so she's not really going to stop her opposition. And I'm a little bit worried that she might get just get overwhelmed by volume with home. 
Um, my preview on Rotowire is not out yet, but um, in the preview, I mentioned that I would probably avoid this fight. This is the rare co-main event fight of a pay-per-view where I don't have a particularly strong opinion either way. Um, I would definitely stay away from home at that price. That price to me is way too high. Um, if you want to tell me, if you want me to give you a pick based on you know odd value between the two and salaries, it's Pennington a thousand percent. I just I don't feel confident really about either i think there's just a really really wide range of outcomes here and i'd be worried both ways well yeah i'm gonna echo the same thing the reason why i call this fight a you know if you make 10 lineups if you make 20 lineups you know i i would 100 percent fade this fight only if you're making 100 lineups do you start to think about having a little bit of exposure to this type of fight and the reason being is you mentioned it's a rematch john uh in the first rematch um holly holm won the total significant striking battle 44 to 40 all right so we've got another three-round fight it's not this isn't a title fight or anything um and again very close fight in that first one but if you look at the DraftKings scoring that was almost i think that was before he was either at or near when DraftKings was first getting started but anyway the, the you know the uh the moral of the story here is is 320 plus 325 odds to finish you got 30 points for a decision let's say best case scenario you get 60 strikes 60 significant strikes landed in the decision that you win that's 60 DraftKings points. You're not getting the 10x you need from that. Um, you, you'd barely be getting it from uh, Pennington, definitely not getting it from home. So uh, I agree, staying away from this fight because I just don't see the finish coming. And when it comes to making me make an actual pick, um, this one's tougher. Uh, for me, I think I'm leaning Pennington in this one just because the first time they fought, uh, I mean, Holm was already... She was kind of in her prime, late prime, I'd say. Uh, she was 33 or 34, and Pennington was just kind of getting her UFC career going, although she had more UFC fights. But right now, Pennington is 31. She's theoretically in her athletic prime, whereas Holly Holm's getting up there at 38. But for me, it's going to depend on whether Pennington can get a takedown or not. And Holly Holmes historically had pretty good takedown defense, and she was even able to get some offensive wrestling when she needed to against Megan Anderson. So... It's going to depend on Pennington being able to get her to the ground. Pennington went 0 for 5 on takedowns in their first fight um, because if they're standing on the feet for 15 minutes, there's no way Pennington outpoints her uh, on the judges' scorecards. But uh, I think Pennington can initiate some, I don't know, maybe some dirty boxing and some clinch work to potentially get the eyes of the judges and and, and maybe squeak out a win here. So I'm leaning her in this one. Uh, maybe I'm persuaded a little bit too much by the value that you get from Pennington if you're using her on DraftKings, but I do need to make clear one more time that uh, this is a fade because the winner here doesn't score highly. No, yeah, I agree. And you're right. Holly's takedown defense has actually been pretty good in her UFC career at 79%, which is above average. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's she's only to elite. Yeah, she's only an inch taller than Raquel Pennington, mm -hmm. but for some reason, I, she's, it, I don't know why, maybe it's just me, she seems taller than that, because I, I maybe it's just her body type, you know, Holly's long, lanky. Definitely and, long limbs that are Yeah, well, definitely has long limbs, and her, she is pretty good, Holly always has, one thing I will say, she's always displayed pretty good balance, like if, if she gets forced up against the cage or whatever, you know, she, she can stand on one foot and try and get herself together, and like we mentioned earlier, you know, Holly's grappling will never ever be on the level of her striking because striking is what kickboxing which is what she's been doing her whole you know adult life so that she's never going to be on that level but you're right i i do think if this fight stays on the feet for an extended period of time home can wear pennington down i'm just worried about how pennington is going to generate offense basically i do think 
much like Cerrone, I think she's going to have to land a couple takedowns to win. And even if she does, I, I just don't think the volume. Yeah. Time to trip in the right spot or something. Yeah, I don't think the volume is going to simply going to be there to make it worth your fantasy effort. Yeah, I just no one's going to sleep. We can agree on that. I mean, Pennington. Well, Pennington ate 124 significant strikes from Amanda Nunes before finally getting stopped midway through the fifth round in their fight. So she's tough as nails. Um, I don't know if. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give her better, uh, you know, better striking or head kick defense than Rousey had. But, uh, but yeah, I, th- this fight's going to see the final bell. It's going to be low scoring. It's a fade unless you absolutely have to. Then you think about Pennington. Um, yeah, we're pretty much in agreement on this one here. Uh, let's talk about some big boys, John. Heavyweights. Alexi Olenek, Maurice Green. Maurice Green is a minus 135 favorite. Comeback on Olenek, plus 115. Green is 8,400 on DraftKings. Olenek, 7,800. Almost as high as the first fight, the Connor Cowboy fight, in terms of odds to finish here. Minus 610. So someone's getting put away one way or another. Props to Maurice Green. His nickname is the Crochet Boss. That is fantastic. Um, so, I mean, when I looked at this fight, I can't think of anything beyond John. Either Maurice Green lands that big shot or the 42-year-old Alexi Olenek gets him in his grasp and the boa constrictor goes to work and somehow finds a way to submit him. Is it really that simple? Uh, it might be, but it's another one where I have a really difficult time saying which is going to happen. Um, Olenek is just insane 57 professional fights 45 submission 50, wins 57 professional 57 wins. professional wins 71 professional fights that's here. insane yes. i mean and he's he'll be 43 in june so he's certainly old but he's not like ancient to the point where the guy has 70 pro fights i mean that's just something but it's um this is interesting because so linux last two fights he did not fare well. Knocked out by both Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris, who are both big power punchers. Yeah. Green, and the thing Green's a power puncher too, but I'll I'll say right now, he's not Walt Harris or even Alistair Overeem, even at he, this stage in Reem's career. He's not. But the thing that concerns me here about for Olenek is Harris and Overeem at this point in their careers, while they're both power knockout artists, they're essentially two separate fighters. Alistair just stands in one spot and throws bombs, while Harris, even though he's, I know he's always older than I think he is, he's 36, which I always find hard to believe, Harris is still really explosive. So they're kind of different fighters, even though they have similar strengths, and Olenek troubled with both of them. I mean, he was knocked out by Harris in 12 seconds. So that worries me a little. Um, and what worries me about Green is simply just... The fear of the unknown. Thirty-three years old, only has three professional fights. You know, Ultimate Fighter finale made his debut, and he was knocked out by Servley Pavlovich in his last fight. I, I don't think there's a ton there, so um, I really think you're kind of in both cases. No matter who you want to pick here, um, betting on the a bit of the unknown. Mm-hmm. For Olenek, it's an a, a guy who's aging, and Green, it's just a guy who we don't have much exposure to. Yeah, this is one where. You know, I don't know if it'll get out of the first round or not, but if it does, I think the scales tip greatly towards Olenek. There's been some concerns about Maurice Green's conditioning. But 6'7", you know, kind of a big, lanky dude, like you said, power puncher. The the chin on Olenek is the big concern here if you're you're picking Olenek because if he gets popped one, he might not even have to square him up perfect and he could still knock him out. But Olenek, we mentioned all those fights, a sneaky, savvy veteran. If he could somehow find a way to get Green in bad position, which is perfectly 
perfectly within the realm of possibility. I mean, look at Green's wins here. He's got three wins in the UFC. Uh, Michelle Batista, Jeff Hughes, which was avenging a, lo- avenging a loss to Jeff Hughes from L- LFA and Junior Albini. Don't think super highly of either of those guys. So, um, obviously, the experience edge and all of that, that goes to Olenek. So, I- I'd be really concerned about using uh, Maurice Green uh, because he could get bested by a veteran like this. But, again, the way to play MMA on DraftKings, at least, is mass mass entry. And you got to get you got to get a touch of both in this heavyweight fight, especially if we're looking at minus 610 odds to finish. But you definitely got to get some green. And I'm going to lean towards green as well just because of the chin that we've seen from Olenek of late. And you know it's not going to suddenly reverse and become iron at the age of 42, 43. So I, I guess green's the picker. Yeah, I mean, I, I – I think I'm going to take Olenek only because I think there's just a little – like there is a little more value. Um, I'm not – this is strange. This and the – I mean I'm not confident either way. This is one of those fights where I couldn't really make up my mind and I just took the guy who gave you a slightly better payoff and that's Olenek. But this is another fight with a seemingly wide range of outcomes. Yeah, I, I could buy that for sure. Let's keep uh, let's keep her moving though, John. Uh, women's strawweight matchup: Claudia Gadelia is uh, minus one fifteen favorite over Alexa Grasso, the younger prospect, minus one hundred five. The DraftKings salaries pretty much reflect that: eighty three hundred for Gadelia, uh, Grasso seventy nine hundred. Odds to finish plus two thirty. This is essentially the tightest, closest fight in terms of betting odds on the whole pay per view card. Are you getting any piece of this, or do you have any kind of strong lean here? I like this fight. I actually think this is probably, once you get past the main event, I think this is probably definitely one of the two or three most intriguing fights on the card. Um, and for a couple reasons, Alexa Grasso is coming off a lost Carl Esparza um, majority decision. But prior to that, she fought Karolina Kovacavich and was brilliant. She took a unanimous decision. Her striking looked pinpoint. She was absolutely excellent. And... The concerns about Grasso are pretty well-founded. She's a really good striker, and she's not a great grappler. Um, her takedown defense with the UFC is 63%, which isn't particularly good. Um, and she's facing a woman in Gadelia who is, without a doubt, one of the division's most powerful fighters. Now, I'm really surprised. for When the UFC, for those who haven't been following you know, for that long... When the UFC launched their women's strawweight division, the two best fighters for the first couple of years really were Joanna and Jacek and Gadelia. And they would go back and forth, and uh, Gadelia lost two uh, decisions to Joanna. They were both really close fights. But based on that, you know, I really think you could probably make an argument that Gadelia's, you know, the rest of her UFC run since then mm-hmm. has been pretty disappointing. You know, she's she's certainly. One of the better fighters at 115 pounds, but uh, you know I don't think she's on that top tier that she looked like she would be in her early run. And um, I really think the main reason is she just she gets hit too much on the feet. Um, her striking in general is not very good. For example, she lands 3.17 significant strikes a minute, and she eats 4.38, which is that's a high number. Mm-hmm. So. Like a couple other fights on this card, this is your classic grappler-striker battle. And I'm a little worried that—I'm worried twofold. I'm worried that Gadelia—Gadelia's a brawler, too. That's the other thing. She's comfortable in a brawl, and she fights aggressively. So I'm worried she's going to get hit. And I'm worried, on the other hand, 
that Grosso is not going to be able to, to defend the takedown. I'm worried that Gedalia's upper body strength is just going to out, you know, overmatch her and just drag her to the mat. So this is a, a legitimately intriguing fight. The last couple, you know, you know, were kind of blah, but you know, this is a good one. And especially, um, it's not 115 pound female women's division. There's room for immediate advancement. And, you know, if either of these women can pull off an aggressive, impressive win, you know, you're going to get a much bigger fight your next time out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, speaking of the status of the strawweight division, of course, uh, Wiley Zhang, champion, and then uh, it was just announced today that Rose Nama Yunus and uh, Jessica Andrade are going to be fighting in a title eliminator. Well, I don't know if you call that. Yeah, pretty much a title eliminator. Uh, you know, the you know two recent champions. They're going to be fighting in Brooklyn on April in April. So uh, they're really making moves there. But uh, whoever wants to get back in that picture definitely needs to come out with a win here. Uh, I'm picking Gedalia. Uh, I like the prospect. Grasso's going. She's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, born in August of '93, she's very young. She's going to stick around. Um, an excellent fighter. I like her skill set, but I see this one being a case of Gedalia taking her to the ground and finishing her with elbows, or really cutting her up with elbows, and that's going to affect what she's going to be able to do the rest of the fight. Um, I don't know what, where your Instagram games at, at John, but I follow, follow Claudia on there, and she looks she looks cut and she looks serious, and you know, not that Grasso doesn't, but. Uh, but man, Gedalia looks scary, and I think we're going to start to see some vintage Gedalia here. Um, you know, finally get both of these women have alternated <laughs> wins and losses in their last five fights here. So one of them needs to get some consistency here, and I think this is a chance for Gedalia to do it, overpower her with the grappling, find a way to get her to the mat. At which point, yeah, the elbows are coming out to play here, and I, I don't think Grasso will hand, handle that well. So even though there's more payoff with Grasso, I think I got to go Gedalia here. Yeah, I, I'm still. I'm gonna take the fifth. Year. I'm still a little bit on the fence, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm definitely worried that Gross is gonna have problems dealing with the upper body strength of Gadelia. Now, if you told me this is gonna be a 15 minute kickboxing match and you know a whole thing's gonna be contested on the feet, mm-hmm. that would be a different story. But um, yeah, I, I'm undecided here. But this this is a good fight. This is certainly one of the two or three fights on the card I'm probably looking forward to the most. Yeah, this is one of those where, like, yeah, my usage on DraftKings is going to just depend how it fits in all the builds. I haven't done a ton of builds yet because the salaries are very recently out here, but a very close fight, one I'm definitely excited for. Uh, one more fight on the pay-per-view card to talk about. Uh, banger to open this one up. We got Anthony Pettis against Diego Fajaya. Uh Pettis 7,200, Fajaya 9,000 on DraftKings. That pretty much matches up with the betting odds here. Fajaya minus 260. Comeback on Pettis is plus 220, uh, which is interesting because Pettis opened up around plus 135 because I think it was just based on uh, name recognition or maybe just a bad line to start with because as soon as Betters got a wind of that, they quickly sh- sent that uh, screaming in the direction of Fajaya, and of course that's why DraftKings waits until uh, later on to put those sell results so they can catch some of that momentum here, but uh, Fajaya... Yeah, minus 260, Pettis plus 220. Um, Fahey is actually the older fighter. When I started to research this, he's a couple years older than Pettis. Kind of got a late start to his career, did a lot of jiu-jitsu over that. But Fahey is now riding a five-fight winning streak, and his most recent fight was an impressive win over Merbek Taisumov, um, who had been surging a little bit as well lately. So uh, are you buying Fahey's momentum, or can Pettis uh, you know, kind of reclaim some of that momentum back after his Nate Diaz loss? I think I'm buying. I'm wor- I'm still worried about Pettis. He's all he's. I know there have been a couple impressive performances. Well, I'm really one impressive performance. That was the knockout of Stephen Thompson last March. Mm-hmm. But the more I look at it, the more that feels like a fluke to me. And Anthony Pettis somehow, and I ha- we've talked about this in the past. 
this is a guy who was on Wheaties box and was viewed as one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world at one time. It's not quite, it's not the sudden shocking downfall of Henan Burrell, which I still can't believe doesn't get talked about more. Burrell, but I'm, Ted, I'm, just a side note, I'm going to, I'm going to, in that on on USADA coming around, I think. I, I think it, that could be. Here. This one, uh, this is another one though. I don't get like Anthony Pettis has alternated wins and losses in his last nine fights, which is crazy. That's hard to do if you try. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm losses. Edson Barbosa, Max Holloway, Justin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, and Diaz are top tier fighters, and they're far better than the Jim Millers and the Michael Kieses of the world that Pettis has beaten. But he still doesn't look right to me. You know, the the days of the Showtime kick against Benson Henderson and the crazy athleticism that made him one of the best fighters in the world, I, I don't see it anymore. He still looks hesitant to me. He still looks like he's thinking in the octagon as opposed to just reacting. And, you know, it's a little hard. to. I'm, I'm kind of throwing the Diaz fight out. Pettis was the smaller guy, you know, he's not a welterweight and that, that, yeah. you know, he's not a guy who, yeah, that's so worth noting. He's, he, he spent his last two fights at welterweight with those, with, with the wonder boy fight that I thought was really weird matchmaking to start with ended up winning. And then of course Diaz, they fought up at welterweight. So he does have to make the cut to 155 again, but uh, the cut doesn't really concern me because he was a featherweight for the longest time. So I'm thinking he'll be able to get this. Plus he gets the, the extra pound there. So 156 should be fine for Pettis, but yeah, yeah. I don't think that'll be a problem. I, I'm taking Fajaya. I think Fajaya is really good. Uh, this is, one of, I think, the most underrated fighters in the company. If you ask, not even, I'm not even going to say casual. If you ask even moderate MMA fans, you're still not going to hear a lot about this guy. And, um, you know, not uh, your typical Brazilian fighter in the sense that he's better on the ground than he is on the feet. Six career submission wins, three by knockout. But this is a guy who's really, really, really good. Like you mentioned, won five fights in a row. The only two losses in his career was a unanimous decision to Benil Dariush and a knockout against Poirier. This is a guy who's legit. And like you said earlier, he will turn 35 years old in nine days. So, you know, just a few days after the event. Actually, you know, the 18th, that is oh, the geez. day of the event. He, it's all good. Okay, so we have a new narrative here. Fahey is fighting on his birthday. Yes, that is the day of the event. So, yes. Is that more yeah, of a distraction uh, right, or is that more of a uh, – or is that just like – I can't decide if that's a positive or negative fighting on your birthday. I don't think it's. I don't think it's anything. I don't. I you know the, these guys go through training camps for months for these things. I don't think that's anything. You know this. But I'm my pose. I'm glad at age 35 that this guy is finally getting a notable fight. Now, sure, Pet, Pettis isn't on the level he once was. A win over Anthony Pettis in 2020 doesn't mean anywhere near as much as it did in 2015 or 2016 or whatever. But He's still a known fighter and a good opponent, so it, I'm, I'm glad the UFC is giving Fahey a, a better opponent because he deserves it. We talk about all the time how the company makes weird booking decisions when they pu- push guys or women who don't need to be pushed. You know, they should take you know the long road. And other times where there's a guy like Fahey who's aging, where you might as well p- push him because who you know who knows what you have here. You know, the perfect example there was I think was Kamar Usman, who's older than most people think. And, you know, what do we have here? Okay, well, you have one of the better fighters in the world is what you have. So mm-hmm. I'm glad Fahey is getting the chance here. I think he's going to win. Um, not only do I think he's good, but I, I think there's still 
some consistency issues for Pettis to work through. I really can't pick Pettis against a quality opponent, which Vahea is, until I see some kind of consistent quality performances. I think the Thompson fight was a fluke. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I guess I agree with you. I'm going to pick Fajaya, and I think there's a at least a, there's a pretty decent chance he can get the finish here and live up to that nine thousand dollar price tag. Plus, you get the benefit actually picking Fajaya the favorite, where you know you mentioned the Wheaties box and, and the Showtime kick. Like a lot of casuals are coming to play DraftKings on this event, and people are going to see Anthony Pettis and they're going to see that he's well below the average price. And they'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to pick him. And his ownership is going to get artificially boosted a little bit due to name recognition. Um, and I think, and like I said, I think I'm picking Fajaya. The thing is, with Pettis, I just want to say Diaz, Thompson, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chiesa, Dustin Poirier. Pettis has been fighting killers this entire time. Yeah, he's been inconsistent, but he's been fighting killers. And I'll take those guys over Tyson Moff, Kabilov, Nelson Gordon, Aubin Mercier, who, you know, the, the recent stretch. This is a big... Even though Pettis isn't the old Pettis of old, it's a big step up for Fajaya. So we'll see if he answers the call or not. But, you know, while he's been kind of working his way up like that, Pettis has been fighting killers. So I don't want to count the guy out. Yeah, he is. I think if you're on Pettis in this fight, I think that's I think that's the best argument mm-hmm. that he still has plenty left in the tank and his recent inconsistent run has been the result of facing high-end fighters. I think this is really a excellent barometer from what to expect from Pettis going forward. Because, you know, I think we're both in agreement that Vahea isn't, you know, he's not Max Holloway or Dustin Poirier or Tony Ferguson, but he's a really good fighter. So, you know, Pettis might not be able to beat those guys, but we'll see how he looks against, you know, a second-tier guy for back of a letter term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, he's also someone we own in our dynasty league. We got him at mid-price. Every, everyone wanted to... uh Nobody wanted to touch him, even for the minimum price. So hopefully we can get a few extra fights out of him. Um, well, that's the pay-per-view card, John. A lot, uh, lot to dissect there, a lot to break down. Uh, Big-time uh, fight at the top, of course, with Cowboy and Connor. But anything else that, uh, looking this card up up and down, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you open forum here. Is there anything else in terms of fights you're really excited for, any prospects you want to see, any other potential DraftKings upsets, anything else like that stand out for you on the card? I mean, there's a couple things. I think the uh, I think Macy Barber is one to watch simply because she's being touted as such, you know, such yeah, well, yeah, the, exactly. She's the future. Um, she's also 21 years old, and I think there are going to be, um, I think there are going to be some bumps along the way. Mm-hmm. But this is at least to me. I met, just mentioned a couple seconds ago about. Um, fighters being thrown, you know, the thrown into tough positions. The two young fighters who always come to mind are Paige Van Zant and Sage Northcutt, who were pushed way too hard, way too fast. So, in that sense, I think the UFC is doing a nice job, or at least a better job, with Barber. Um, Roxanne Modafferi has been around forever. She's one of the pioneers of the sport, but. Um, if Barber, you know, handles her business, which she should be able to do, she should win. But I still think there's, um, I think there's some technical issues with Barber. She, I, she brawls a little too much for my liking. Um, she's gotten away with it because she's crazy explosive and athletic, and she's has you popped a couple times too. So she has, and she she she's shown good. You know, she's shown well as far as you know surviving and digging deep and stuff. And you know, I guess when you're 21 years old, really. Um, 
you know, you never want to say wins and losses are, are relevant because they're not. But as long as Barber continues to improve and makes it out of these fights without injury, you know, uh, if Barber loses this fight, you know, to Roxanne Mataferi, as long as she makes it out with, you know, out any serious injury, you know, I don't think it's going to affect her long term ceiling or anything mm-hmm. at that age. You know, the fight, the fact you're already fighting in the, for the UFC is, is really the thing that matters. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be her fourth official UFC fight already. Yeah. And so, she's uh, she's ninety five hundred on DraftKings, the most expensive fighter on the card. So that's one thing uh, to think about. She's the only fighter more expensive than Conor McGregor. This is a weird card. I think there's going to be a lot of money left on the table by the winners because I'm not as uh, dead convinced in some of these big favorites as, uh, as as others might be across the board. But, no, I mean, I, I, I'm going to pick Barbara in this one. I think she should be able to handle her business. It's the future versus the past, essentially. You mentioned Matafari being a pioneer of women's MMA, very, very, very likable fighter, uh, athlete. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think it's cool that ESPN on their uh, prelims uh, which you catch on ESPN before the uh, pay-per-view on ESPN+. Plus. I think it's cool that uh, they're showcasing a lot of the prospects here with uh, Macy Barber being the last fight before the pay-per-view starts here. And then, of course, you're going to get, uh, I think we kind of, we mentioned it a little bit, but the Sadiq Youssef, uh, Andre Feely fight. I think that's a really good fight, too, uh, coming up on the prelims. That is a good fight. Now, I just want to, looking at the Vegas odds, what you mentioned earlier, you know, we mentioned earlier in regards to McGregor's salary potentially being driven up by, what is expected expected exposure to casual fans um macy barber is the only fighter on the card uh, or is the second most expensive fighter on the card behind mcgregor mcgregor is according to five dimes at this moment a minus 300 favorite macy barber is a minus 1000 favorite mm-hmm. minus a thousand so we're talking uh, a 700 difference on a oh, I guess I'm doing this backwards, but you know, I guess so. So say it's a, a big ten thousand dollar bet or whatever. You 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 bet a uh, you bet a thousand. You you risk a thousand to win a hundred, or you yep. risk, risk three hundred to win a hundred. So it's a seven hundred dollar yep. difference, basically. Yeah, so I guess I had that right. Yeah. So so, a, so every hundred dollars you want to make, you got to spend an extra seven hundred dollars on Macy Barber. Is essentially the gist of exactly. it. Exactly, and they're. Basically, one unit. I don't want to say unit because we're throwing too much gambling, uh, mixing up gambling terms in there. But a hundred dollar different in DraftKings is like one tick. So they're yeah, right not, next to not, each other not. in DraftKings, but yet minus seven hundred different on the odds. So that kind of tells you where we're, at, you know, where we're at with Connor's pricing these days, and 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 how the recognition drives this fight up. Because, um, well, the other thing is there's just not that much. Uh, besides the barber fight, like uh, Connor might is the second biggest favorite on the card. Or no. Nazrak Hakparast at uh, minus three twenty is the second biggest favorite. Yeah, you're going to get out. To, I mean, I can pretty much guarantee you, whoever wins, you know that big, you know, big prize you mentioned earlier in the big pool is going to have one funky looking lineup mm-hmm. because there's going to be, you know, somebody's going to use, you know, it's going to take a crazy Justin Ledet knockout or a Brian Kelleher submission. You know, it's going to take something unexpected to win this thing. It's going to be, it's going to be in one odd looking lineup. You're going to look at the lineup and say, Oh, that's, that's what won me a hundred grand or whatever it is. Yeah. I hope it's not a Kelleher submission. Cause we are also the proud owners of, uh, Odie Osborne in our dynasty league. So we got, something. I didn't, <laughs> are we really, I did not know that. Well, he was, I, uh, I got him with the last pick that we were doing because, uh, we had, 
I don't know, four or 500 left on the table, and we I, we only had one fighter remaining. So I was like, oh, I'll just stick 400 out if there. If all else fails, pick the guy with the cool name. Yeah, the guy with the cool name. And he's from Wisconsin, too. So that kind oh, of there you go. All that, right. He trains in Waukesha, so that kind of drew me to that a little bit. And plus, uh, I, I don't know, uh, uh, Joe Sun Tzu, he was on who originally nominated him, and I respect his opinion when it comes to these things a lot. But anyway, so we got stake from top to bottom here, kicking off uh, our Dynasty League with the bang here. Any closing thoughts here before we uh, sign off today, John? uh no i mean you know this is this is pretty straightforward i think the you know the the storylines that are getting play are the storylines that matter certainly the mcgregor Cerrone, the push of macy barber um i think this is i think those are the two big storylines here because mm-hmm. the winner of the Cerrone mcgregor fight oh quick here i will throw this out you mentioned this earlier should mcgregor say mcgregor handles Cerrone, who do you think his next fight's against it's got to be just the gate right because I don't think I get I buy the whole Dana White argument that McGregor is too small for Masvidal. I think Masvidal would be a massive favorite, whereas Gaethje, who's a little bit rec- reckless with his striking compared to Connor, who's a little bit more calculated, I think that would be a much better matchup to do Connor Gaethje. Uh, I think that's probably makes the most sense. I mean, I guess there's a scenario where they could try a third fight with Diaz. Oh yeah, the third fight with Diaz that could certainly happen. I think if. Uh... If Connor were to lose but still want to fight, I think they'd go third fight with Diaz next because they could still get people they could still get people excited even coming off a loss with that because it'd be Nate Diaz three, Nate's coming off a loss, uh uh two as well, of course, to Masvidal. Um I don't think Connor would fare very well against Masvidal. I think that size difference and just the difference in stature would come into factor there. But uh yeah. It w- with a win I think Gaith G with a loss, I think then we do Diaz. Three. And then if on the other, you know, the flip side, if Cerrone wins, you know, he's going to be clamoring for a big fight. So, you know, we'll see there. There's definitely high stakes. This is one of the fights where, you know, the main I am generally of the feeling that the main event of a pay-per-view should probably be a title fight. There's enough divisions in this company now that it's a good idea to have a title fight on every pay-per-view. But if you're not going to have a title fight, this it's a must, essentially, that you have a fight that impacts the title picture. Which this certainly is. Or someone with this kind of name recognition. Right, with that kind of draw. Yeah, because, I mean, well, at at this time in December, we were talking about three title fights headlining one card, and now we have no title fights headlining the card. Of course, main event's going to be a five-round matchup. I'm pumped for it, so I'm ready to go. Um, Well, that's going to do it then, John. Thanks again, uh, everyone out there, for giving us the time and listening to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. Again, that's brought to you by ESPN+, Plus, the home of UFC 246. You can... uh, you can get a you can buy the pay-per-view and get a full year of ESPN Plus at a substantial discount if you package them together. So if you've been waiting until now to get on the sidelines, go ahead and jump in. You can watch it on any of your devices. ESPN Plus, the home of two four, UFC 246. Thanks again for uh, sponsoring the show. Uh, John, give John a follow on Twitter at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. That's at John Littering. You can follow me at Roto Jake. Uh, John and I are going to be back with you prior to UFC 247, an excellent card featuring John Bones Jones and Dominic Reyes. Until then, good luck with your DraftKings lineups. Enjoy the card, and hopefully, one of you guys out there can uh, take home that hundred grand here next Saturday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over thirty-five, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.